I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Lost and Refound Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Yan. We have your other host, Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Yan. How's your week? My week is going pretty okay this week. I feel that the weather has been brightening up here in California. So my mood definitely is affected by the weather. I'm one of those. And I'm excited to learn more about how to not allow my external environments affect me so much. So I'm very excited for this topic today. Yes. And I'm also really excited for summer because me too, I need that warm weather. Otherwise, I just want to be in bed and never go outside. And so the weather's getting really nice. And today's May 1st. So it's the first day of a PI Heritage Month. So yay, time to celebrate us. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. And with that, today we have a very special guest for a PI Heritage Month. And that is with Dr. Ang Long Wen. Dr. Wen is an ICF certified coach with ACC credentials, a professional speaker and a lifelong community activist who is passionate about youth leadership development and youth empowerment. Dr. Wen also leads three nonprofit organizations, Institute of Civic Education in Vietnam, Vietnamese Culture and Science Association, and Lyceum Global. On top of that, she is also a number one best-selling author with goals of writing another three books within the next couple of years. So she is really, really busy woman. There's so much we can learn from Dr. Wen's amazing life, from her immigration story to the lifetime she has spent in service of the next generation of leaders. We are so honored to have her with us today and cannot wait to dig into her story a little bit more. So please help me give a warm welcome to Dr. Ang Long Wen. Hi, Dr. Nguyen. Hello, hello, Yan, and hello, Yvonne. This is an honor to be here with you both. We are so honored to have you, given you know how much you have on your plate. I know your time is very precious, so we are very, very lucky to have you on, not just for our podcast, but on our podcast during a very special month to celebrate Asian heritage. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's May. Like today is May 1st. Yes, oh my it goodness. Is. Every year when it comes to May, I always feel so hopeful that all the trees are opening. And I don't know whether you know that in Texas, we had a snowstorm in February. Mm-hmm. Really bad yes. snowstorm in Texas, right? Yep. <laughs> so uh, after that, a lot of trees die. But now I just can't wait to see all the flowers and it's just so beautiful, all white flowers. 
uh, blue bonnet and uh, it just really warmed your heart and yeah it's kind of all of that api month yes yeah spring is start of new life right so it does mm -hmm. feel like a new season a brand new start and yeah so i'm really excited to have you come on today to speak with us but before we get into your story can you do a quick little introduction into who you are for our audience so actually i was born in vietnam and i grew up in saigon which is in the south and after 1975 you know that saigon fell and the south vietnam fell to the north it caused a whole exodus of vietnamese refugees Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, I was part of uh, those refugees. I was on the boat actually just like a couple days before here. I wrote a story on my Facebook and it brought back so much memory. But basically, I went through a lot of different escape without success. I was put in jail when I was like just a teenager. I was facing death in one of the escape that was failed. I actually witnesses half of the people on my boat die and I survived but after that it totally changed my perspective of life and seeing how people would be willing to sacrifice you know to risk their lives just because of the price of freedom mm -hmm. so when I arrived in America I make a commitment to myself to truly appreciate the freedom that I'm given because only through service helping and volunteering others that make me feel that I deserve the freedom given. And because of that, I, they can call me a crazy woman, but regardless of what type of job that I do, I was an IT consultant. I work in big corporations. I always want to make sure I dedicate at least 2000 hours per year for volunteer work. And for that, I just went on. I, I learned so much through the interaction with uh, people and I realized that when we receive, when we receive the blessing and we receive what we are given, it is, it, it just feels so right to give back. And my expertise always working with the youth. I was a scout master before. I worked with Girl Guys of Canada. I came to Canada first before I came to United States. Mm -hmm. So it's like an immigrant and then another immigrant story. <laughs> But it's, it's so uh, wonderful when I came here. I remember 1994, I arrived in the United States because I met my husband. And he's the reason why I moved from uh, Toronto, Canada to uh, United States, to Houston, Texas. So it's just like moving from a refrigerator to an oven. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good analogy. Yeah, I know. And, and so in 2000, I became American citizen. And at the time, I was an IT consultant as a uh, an agency called Texas Department of Transportation. And I remember that day forever because you know what? The client, they threw a party. They threw a party uh, to celebrate my uh, becoming American citizen. And they, they create a poem that is so beautiful. It, it is a reminder for me that I feel so welcome. And America is the, regardless of how all the hatred we observe, it's not the America that it meant to be. The America I know and I grew up in and I become so passionate about is the America that accepting everyone. Yeah. And regardless of the skin color of race, we are welcome in United States of America and you can pursue the dreams, the happiness that you have. Yeah. And, 
And so that brought back a good memory that I, I chose to remember because it, it, it was thrown by my client manager. And normally for contractors, they don't do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So it, it, it brought because of the service I provided and they feel appreciated. So they throw that party. But I was caught off guard. I cry. <laughs> and fast forward to 2000. Now it's 2021. It has been 21 years. And words are not enough to express my appreciation for all the opportunities that I'm given. And even for volunteering or, you know, in my workplace, it just, uh, it's a beautiful journey. And I, I bet everyone has your own story as well. Yeah, I think, number one, I don't think anybody will call you a crazy woman for volunteering. I think that speaks to what a big heart you have, that no matter how busy you are, you're always committed to volunteering that many amount of hours, considering how much you have on your plate. And you still do that. You I mean, you run um, nonprofit organizations. So this is literally your life now. Mm-hmm. And number two, I think you're right. Companies don't usually throw parties for contractors. So that speaks to the work that you do for the companies that even though you're a contractor, they felt strong enough to go ahead and throw you a party. Yeah. And yeah. third is... I agree with you. This is not the country I remember that I grew up in. I'm an immigrant myself and I have never felt, I mean, I have definitely been discriminated against, but not at the point at the rate we're seeing now. I have never feared for my life, right? I have felt uncomfortable in situations, but I never feared for my life. I never feared the life of my children when they go outside or my even my husband when he goes outside. You know, mm-hmm. this is a entirely different feeling. So, um, so again, this is why we have you on because, you know, I think for all of us, we can agree the country is not the same as, as it was before, but all three of us also agree that I don't believe this is what America is. Yeah. America to me is the melting pot. America to me is open to all kinds of cultures, all kinds of religions, no matter who you are, there's opportunity for you if you work hard and if you work with others, Absolutely. right? I still believe that we can get there and I feel like majority of people are believe that is unfortunately the most evil or the most most sinister or the most cowardice people who are the loudest online who are driving this divide right so we just have to remember we have more in common than right than when we, we don't have in all, common right we are all interconnected yeah so so we are told that we are divided but actually as a human being, we have that tremendous connectedness that it's yeah. happened within here, like within our heart. Yes. And I think that's why I wrote the book, Living in Grace, because I want to remind people that we are in it together, yeah. regardless of skin color, race, whatever. And, and I strongly believe that deep down, each of us has that heart, which is that we want to do good and we want to love and be loved. Yes. We don't want to hate. So how can you honor love and honor the compassion inside each of us and try to awaken those uh, emotions so that you can trump the hatred? Because yeah. the hatred is always there. But it's just like the yin and the yang, right? Like which side of the coin you want to focus on. But again, by doing this podcast with you guys, I think you are doing a great job to really bring up that great side. 
Thank you. And I know this living in grace, it's a practice you've been living with for many years and carry you through a lot of hard times. Before we get into the concept of living in grace and what that means, um, I would love to first talk about your childhood or your immigration story because I mean, just from the little bits that you just said, it's a very traumatizing experience. And I think this is very important to get out because so many times on Facebook, I have had, I'm not, I'm going to call these discussions and not arguments, discussions. I work for Walmart right now, global mm -hmm. e-commerce. Um, I used to work for them five years ago, then I took a five-year break and I just went back. So mm -hmm. before, um, when I took the five-year break, I was still friends with some of my former coworkers who are in Ar Arkansas, right? So very different than growing up in the West Coast or the East Coast, not mm -hmm. as diverse. And, you know, when Trump was elected, when all of this hatred started against immigrants, I would see a lot of them posting things about, oh, like, why are they coming here? It's too easy to come to the United States. You know, like, why don't these people just get out and go back? Why would they come here? And I, you know, have had many discussions with them about, have you thought about putting yourself in someone else's shoes where if you feel like your children, because they're all moms too, you know, and I said, you know, mm -hmm. I know you love your children, just like I love my children. Mm -hmm. If you think about your children might be in jeopardy, their life might be in jeopardy, their health might be in jeopardy, there's so too much violence in the street. What would you do to get them out? If you mm -hmm. can't get them out legally, what would you do to get them out illegally? What would you do? Like, how would you feel as a refugee to save your own children? But it's a really hard concept for, I feel like for Americans to, to grasp when you haven't had that kind of suffering or that kind of trauma. I, I haven't suffered like that in my own experience. Mm -hmm. I just actually learned in more in detail my mother's own immigration story and her childhood story. But I think, you know, where we talk about generation trauma is, we can feel some of that. We There's something innate within us that can sort of somehow understand this a bit more than I feel like the Americans who have never experienced something like this. So this is why I feel it's very important to speak to people who have had, you know, not the easiest immigration story and to let people hear what that experience is really like and why would you leave a country where, I mean, sure you love Vietnam, you know, that, that's where you grew up, that's your language, your culture. It's so difficult to leave that behind, to go to a brand new place where you don't know anyone, you don't speak the language. So speak to us, tell us about your story and why did you finally make that decision to leave Vietnam and, you know, that traumatizing journey that have ultimately made you who you are today. Okay. So basically the decision was because uh, of course, like I was a teenager back then, right? So, so the decision has a lot to do with the where I came from, which is my family was belonged to the South. Mm -hmm. And my father was a high ranking officer. And after 1975, all the rank, high ranking officer, they supposed to go to something called re-education camp, but basically it is the jail. And my dad was kept in that. And then my mom at the time was the teacher and she has to manage how, you know, to uh, raise the five kids under her wing. And it, it's tough. Life was really tough. Mm -hmm. And beside of that, uh, I, I love studying. Then I excel in my academic study. But because of my background, and especially after my dad got out of jail, uh, he just so determined to escape. Like he said, no future, he, he got to escape. Even if he had to do it first because we cannot afford the whole family, he will need to do that. So basically the first time he took the whole family and of course we got caught. And, and that changed totally the, the landscape of how uh, we were treated because 
the government would treat it like um, at the time I was in high school and was ready to get into university. And I was not allowed to enter university. It's just because my family tried to escape before. So I was ranked like they have a ranking. If you rank number 15 out of 15, there's no way that you can. That's an entrance examination for every student to mm -hmm. get them to get into university. And I got like nearly the maximum score wow. of that school. And yet the guy who got 28.5, he got some, uh, some scholarship to go to Russia. And I got 28 and I was not accepted. And I was devastated because at that time, all I want to do is, is studying. I want to further my education. I know that I could do something around that. But so that is my main theme. And my mom and my dad tried the best to try to give me a, a couple of opportunities to escape. And that's why I got into all of these stories about both people. But at the end, it all fell. But my dad finally, after nine times escaping. Uh, wow, nine times. Time. So we used up all the money. <laughs> on oh my his, gosh. And he, he escaped. Um, he finally escaped successfully. And he arrived in Canada because he spoke French, right? Mm -hmm. He, he speaks French very fluently. Mm -hmm. So he arrived there and he was a civil engineer before. He managed to get back his license and then he, he became a drafting engineer. And then he sponsored all of us. So we ended up going mm -hmm. by air. But I had so many boat stories because I was on the boat. And there was an incident that my boat, uh, half the people died. Mm -hmm. It's so traumatic. And I was put in jail a couple of times because of like got caught. So I got all of that story. And I even got a story like at 16 after one of these uh, escape, I actually tried to kill myself. I tried to commit suicide because I was so frustrated. This is a long story, but, but the key thing that helped me to stay, not to commit to the final act, which is hanging myself, mm -hmm. was the love with my parents. I love my parents more than my life. Yeah. So when I was thinking, you know, that's only one thought about, okay, I was so in so much pain and that's why I want to kill myself. Like, well, mm -hmm. I want to end it. But then I thought to myself, okay, if I die, you know, I, I, I can get rid of the pain. But how about my mom and my dad? They, they are not the one who causes problems. And then mm -hmm. just, just imagine how devastated they were. And because of that question, I was able to change my mind and not commit it to the final act that will take my life away. Yeah. So, so I realized we are all can in some time in our life can be so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I just can relate to all the youth nowadays. I look at the statistic. I was just so sad. Look at the, the teen suicidal rate and it went the wrong direction. In 2007 and 2017, it increased more than double. And just imagine after COVID-19, I bet you it is even worse. So, so all the children, including like regardless Asian or Americans or Caucasian or Latino or Black, all of our future generations, our young kids, our children are right now in a crisis. Yeah. And I am committed myself to focus on that because I believe in building and developing the future generations so that they can bring up the positive things and build up the nation. Yeah. You know, so I, I have for all my life, I work with uh, youth. I founded a youth leadership uh, program in uh, 1998. 
and it's still running until nowadays. And it had trained more than 5,000 Asian American and Asian Canadian leaders. Just be connected to yourself, appreciate where you came from, because if we're not appreciating our roots, we will not be able to gain the self-confidence that is needed in this world. We have to know where we came from, be proud of that, and also know who we are, who we are and what we're here for. And all of that will combine to give you the self-confidence to be successful in any endeavors. Yes. And was that, was that a defining moment for you where you realized, yes, I want to you know, commit my life to you know, help the future generation? Or when did you start wanting to you know, work with children and, and helping them become new leaders? I think it, it came from my blood. <laughs> Even in Vietnam, I already involved uh, at a very young age. I remember back then in, in Vietnam under the, the communist region, I was like 13 or 14 years old. And in my uh, neighborhood, there was a group of kids that the homeless or the kids that, uh, that we call street kids because they are very undisciplined and they cause problems. They are troublemakers, makers, right? Mm-hmm. So they assigned me to gather these kids and create a program to engage them. And guess what? I enjoyed it immensely. And seeing the chain from the kids from a really the, deep down, each of the kids, what they want is love. Yeah. They want but attention. They want, they want love. Yeah, yeah. They want you love them and they want the care. They, they want somebody who truly care for them, for yeah. who they are. I just use my heart and I connect with them and I became famous. The lady who, who can turn around people, but it's not, it's just like you, you just, so something inside of me always. And until this day, it's the passion of finding something good about the other person and yeah. trying to bring it out. How and, old were you? And back then it was like 14, 13. You were a kid yourself. <laughs> you know, so it, it started very young. And when I, I arrived in Canada and the United States, it continued. So I became a scout leader. So I actually ran in Canada. They call Girl Guys of Canada. It's not Girl Scout. So mm-hmm. I led a, a brownie pack of about 50 girls, uh, aged from nine to 11 years old. I had a time of my life. I just so, I had so much fun playing mm-hmm. with them, but at the same time, um, teaching them the values, the characters of how to become a strong woman, uh, love herself, respect herself, but also respect others, right? And, and then uh, when I graduate from college, I founded a youth center. Like I'm the type of person that if you see a problems in the society and there is no solution, why not create the solution that you can, you can be part of the solution? So I create that. I noticed there's a need for all these uh, adolescents, all the youth. They need a place to interact. So instead of going to gang, going to this with all the recreational activities and stuff. So I created one when I, I was working at IBM Canada at the time. So during the day, I do my full time job because I have to get paid, of course. Right. But then at night and my weekends are all full with my scout activities in that youth center. So, it is in your blood because yeah. at, at 13 or 14, I could not help myself. I definitely could not help anybody else. <laughs> so it is definitely in your blood. And it is absolutely amazing to hear everything you have done. Even when you're working a full-time job, you are still helping children and setting up your own foundation. 
when you start working at IBM, talk to me about what that experience was like as an, Im- um, an immigrant woman. So, so IBM can like Canada has a little bit different work style than US. It's less competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And I I was very lucky because I graduated top of my college, so I got a lot of scholarship. And all my life as a student, I try to find all scholarship available because I don't have enough money. <laughs> so when I, I, when I graduate and I have a job, I always give back because for those bursary, for those scholarships that gave me, now I give back some scholarship for the students at my college. Mm-hmm. So, so when I came to working in corporation, basically the first couple of years are just very i didn't remember everything significant but when i came to america that's a difference in america my boss i'm very lucky because my boss who started a consulting firm division in houston so it was a, a consulting firm based in new jersey but they just opened a new division in houston mm-hmm. and i was happened to be the sick employee so we spent two hours talking and he just really liked my personality. And he actually had to end up to the INS and the naturalization office to say, look, I offer this lady a job. Why don't you speed up to give her the working permit? Because when I married my husband, I have the green card. But because of the condition required to have a working permit before I can be hired, right? So he actually lining up to the INS office so that he can get the approval from INS so that I can start working. So I was lucky right up front and he became my mentor for, for my whole life. I went through all different jobs, but I always keep contact with him. But what I found when most of the time when I cope with the working with the clients, um, a lot of people, especially in big corporations, it's not spelled out. So everybody say diversity, inclusiveness, but actually you can feel, right? You can feel the energy in the room. And when I start working in the big corporation after that consulting firm, I noticed like, for example, I support all the C-suite level and IT supposed to guys more than women, right? Mm-hmm. I was in a role that I had to support most of the chief uh, financial officer, chief facility officer, chief compliance officer, so all of these C-suite level. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of meetings, um, you know, even I'm the support person, but there are some gentlemen, they're very nice. But whenever he want me to do something, he would go to my boss. And he would never talk directly to me. So it's it just like that sense of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And he would say, okay, I want Enlon to do this. I was right there. And he, he, he would not talk. He just go to my boss and ask my boss to convey the message just like I cannot hear, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But the, the key thing is that I focus on adding values. Instead of being upset about this and angry about this, I just said, okay, what does he need? And I focus on his need. I religiously focus on his needs and provide the excellent service up to the point that, you know, I remember six months or a year or two years later, it take that long. In a same meeting with all the executives, he come, Elon, what do you think about this? Hallelujah. <laughs> that was a totally game changer. You know, like if you look at the beginning and that at the end, that again spoke a lot about our ability to change, to transform other people. We have to believe in ourselves first, but initially I do not have that confidence. 
because I was always like grew up in a Vietnamese tradition, I guess other Chinese is the same, like boys is more important than girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you are a girl, you're already kind of inferior. Yeah. And then on top of that, like even when I graduate from college, I got some scholarship from Berkeley because I was in Canada, right? And my mom just said, okay, can you study here? Why do you have to leave your family? Just study here and you can get your master here. And until you get a husband, then you can leave. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of mentality. It gives us, it's, it's our own limiting belief. Like yeah. we don't believe in ourselves, that in our capability. You keep hearing the story that we are less than, we are not enough, we are not important enough. After we hear so many times, we believe in those stories. And those right. stories doesn't help us, right? Yeah. Those stories just limiting us and making us feel that we are never enough. And it's, yeah. it's totally BS, <laughs> to be honest with you, right? But that story, it stick with me when I chose my career. So when I actually chose my career, I would have majored in sociology and, uh, and psychology because that is where I'm thriving. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what my main career right now. Like yeah. I, I follow my, my course, but it took me 25 years, right? I, I lost all of the years in the, the other industry just because I don't believe that I could do that because I was told, okay, I was an immigrant and my English is not good enough. And then these are all of the, the, the career that need to be proficient in English. And I'm a girl, I'm a woman, I'm Asian. You know, all of that, we put the limiting belief on ourselves. And because we keep, uh, we keep hearing, sometimes we believe it. And then when we believe it, guess what? We never try it again. We just, we just follow the norm. And mm -hmm. that's, we lost our, our potential to become much better version of ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and going through that, I want to help other girls, Asian girls in particular, believe in themselves. And truly, you have so much potential inside yourself. And if you're not unlocked it, then you can live a life, but it's not the life that you are meant to live, right? And everyone is unique. And, and so with that passion, now I discovered that myself because I was lucky because throughout my life, I got that mentor, the boss who is also my mentor. So I invited him to a lot of different functions of my community group and said, oh, Evelyn, you are a leader. If he asked me, okay, what do you want to become? Oh, I just want to become a technical consultant. You know, I will do this. You know, I will solve problems. That's it. And he said, why don't you lead a team? I said, leading a team? <laughs> so that is the limiting belief inside of me, right? And he said, Evelyn, you have what it takes to become a good leader. I already saw you in actions. So I'll work with you. So he actually forced me into a management position. And it turned out to be, I enjoy it. But again, he gave me the opportunity and he helped me to develop. Yeah. And that I, I always be grateful. So looking back, I see all the steps that we're going through. There's a reason. But I wish that other girls, other women who are also Asian would not have the limiting belief like I did because it prevented me to achieve the best. I would have major in sociology and psychology. I would have a little bit different route um, and I would probably enjoy the life that, that I am mentally much earlier. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So that makes sense. It's, it's the thing that I think most of us are facing is that I'm not enough. I think it makes sense. Definitely makes sense to Yvonne. <laughs> I, this is the, the entire podcast built on this. <laughs> I'm yeah. not enough. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And I think not just Asian, I think a lot of women feel this way, right? This yeah. women yeah. as second class citizens is a common theme yeah. on the world. And I think women in America really have it really good or have it the best. So we do even have, in America, even in America, we not as much as well, more than a lot of other countries, definitely not what we should be, right? We don't have a, a woman president yet, whereas certain other countries definitely we have, have a vice president. Yeah, we have vice president. We're we're on our way. But definitely more than a lot of Asian countries, you can definitely see that even now in China, when mm-hmm. somebody have the firstborn, when it's a girl, it's a disappointment. Yeah. You know? yeah but, what, but what I like to see, what I see now is less so to the parents, more so to the grandparents, right? So things are changing. And I see more that, you know, parents, my generation of, of who are parents, I see that when we talk to our girls, it's no longer about, you can only be successful if you marry a rich husband right? Yeah. It is now, what, what are you passionate about? What do you want to be? You can be that. And, yeah. and so I think change is on the way. Every generation, it gets better, but we need leaders like you to speak mm-hmm. out, to influence these young minds. We can teach our children all we want, but sometimes it only takes one voice to shut them down and that can lead an impact on their entire lives and can really hold them back, right? So hearing, I think, more your speeches, really talking to them and showing them how to be leaders and believe in themselves, that's what's going to ultimately make the change because they, at the end, they have to believe in themselves. No matter what their parents say, they have to believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. But you need some kind of tool to really connect to yourself, right? You need need to find a ways of how to help uh, younger people or even people our age, like everybody can become disconnected. And the way that I observe right now, the reason why we are so much in hatred, the key thing is that when we are in hatred, actually it really damaged your own immune system. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good for your own health. But yeah. people don't realize that. And the reason why we are so involved in the hatred is because we lost connection with ourselves. Because if you really connect to your own self and, and your, your, each of us have the best cell inside, it's just like your soul. Yeah. But if you, you lost the connection with that, that is when you only see the divisiveness, you only see the difference, you don't see the common thing. Well, they say the most angry people are people that lash out, right? The people who are happy or truly happy, they're not going to go about to make other people miserable is the people who are unhappy themselves. They want to make you unhappy so that, that you can feel the way they feel. So they don't feel alone. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it's 100% true. You have to be happy yourself, mm-hmm. you know, before you can go out and change other people. Otherwise, all you can do is bring more misery because everything yeah. is going to trigger you and yeah. make you lash out other people. Right. Right. And that leads you, um, the topic that I, I finished. So basically all my life, the before, I got into my uh, doctorate program with IT, yeah. the lab brain, right? So it's all the lab brain, like mathematics, physics, and all that. <laughs> so I totally use my lab brain, but my right brain is kind of underutilized, right? And I didn't know that. But when I started uh, working at University of Texas, MD Anderson Cancer Center, it was a beautiful institution. Uh, they had a program that uh, support us to do higher education. It was a big incentive. So I actually, regardless how busy I was, 
I still make a commitment to myself to come back to school for my PhD program. But at the time, I focus on the right brain, emotional intelligence. So my thesis is like observing the relationship between the IT project managers, emotional intelligence, and their project success. So it opened my eyes. Like I read at least a, a, a few like 50 books on emotional intelligence and articles, and it just triggered me. The more I read, the more I process. I said, "Oh my gosh, this is so so much interesting!" And I, you know, all of these years I didn't know. So it 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 sparked some interest in my heart. And what I have been doing through my volunteer work already, my hard work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. right, it's already had the heart uh, part in that, but it's just the awakening and realizing and connecting all the dots so that I can see very clearly what my path looked like. Mm-hmm. And it took me a few years to really, like after I graduate from get the, the degree, it, it's just helped me to see, I need to make that decision to totally 100% moving to that direction because that I am aligned with my cause, with my reason of being. Like each of us has a different cause, right? A different spark, I would say. Each of us are different. And the key thing is how can we identify that spark, ignite that spark. And when you're living with that spark, your life is totally transformed. Like that's what I share in the book. Like I was in the lowest time in my life where I, I cope with a lot of losses. And my husband was in the hospital. I lost my mom. And then six weeks later, I lost my dad. And it's all happening within such a short time. And yet I've never felt so alive. Why is that? Because I anchor on my best. And I found tremendous meaning from the events that led me to become the professional coach and now leading the organization to really bring the message of grace to the world. Yeah, so let's talk about grace. How mm-hmm. did you find this concept? You know, where did you learn it and how do you apply it? So basically behind the grace work is emotional intelligence and self-leadership. So I, my PhD program enabled me to have the knowledge. But the grace concept is initiated by a foundation in Hawaii. So when I was working on the youth leadership program, I was looking for partners for different methods to help the the young people to learn. And I found this from this Hawaii foundation. And they actually, they only have that acronym, which is gratitude. Grace stands for gratitude, respect, accountability, courage and engagement. And those are very common sense values, right? But when you actually put them together, uh, it becomes very powerful. So they offer some kind of uh, grants to allow us to use that framework, but create some training program to teach the leadership for the the students. So we took that and I, I working with my husband to design the first couple of training. But it only took off when I start engaged with emotional intelligence and seeing that uh, using the grace is the model because everybody can grasp it. And the word grace is very simple, but elegant, but meaningful. 
Like uh, in the book, I say that each of them has a grace lady and or a grace gentleman, right? And it's right here, it's in the heart. How can you activate that grace lady so that you can be your best? Because when you are at your best, you become a light. Mm-hmm. And you become a light, you light up your loved one first, like your children, your family. Then you become a light in the community you are in, right? And that is the beauty of grace. And so it took me during those turbulent years, as I mentioned to you, it took me 25 years. So I always want to work on nonprofit, but I I have that limiting belief that, oh, I cannot survive (laughs) if I work in nonprofit. Where is the money coming? You know, that kind of, again, lack mindset, right? Mm -hmm. We're lacking of money. And so I chose the safe way, which is I save enough so that I can took off a couple of years then I can survive Mm -hmm. and it comes a time and the time came is 2017 it's just the divine intervention and all that that you read from the book actually I was writing the resignation letter but I have not submitted then the company let go of the whole team so I belong to that team of the executive team that they let go so they give us a package so it's basically the the university told me push me Emma go out yeah (laughs) do your stuff and I'll give you you know a couple more segments of uh of (laughs) so it 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 was it was just like the universe has something for you and the more you leave you will see that everything happened in your life has a reason Mm -hmm. and when you find out the meaning even the at the time it was so sad or it was trauma or it was whatever. But when you connect with your own best self and using that lens, looking back, you will find out there's something in that incident or in that trauma that will help you to become the person you are today. Without that, you would not be that strong. And you have to celebrate the fact that you overcame that you become the person who you are today, right? Sometimes we focus so much on the pain, so we forgot. <laughs> and, and living in grace, helping you to anchor on your best, on your heart, so that you can see things. In, and again, in emotional intelligence, I learned that our brain processing is amazing. Every moment, every minute, you receive 11 million bits. But your conscious mind can only process 40 to 50 bits. So 40, 50 bits out of 11 million bits. So you miss out a lot, right? So it really depends what you focus on. And living in grace, your emotional intelligence, you focus on the, the thing that bring you up. And that is the key of the success. The key to make you become so powerful because you become a light, because you focus on the lightness on the, the beautiful things, on the human spiritual um, values in each person you in contact with. And, and that is the, the story I want to share with other in practicing grace. So grace overall, to answer your question, is like the framework that's very easy to do. So I wrote that book, Living in Grace, Living Your Best Life Now. And it became a bestseller in October 2020. And you know what? I took four months to design and now I have a class called Living Your Best Life with Grace. And you can check it out at livingyourbestlifewithgrace.com. And, and 
it's beautiful. Right now, the first class was launched, uh, it was sold out, and I'm serving 70 learners from five different countries. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. The beginning. Yeah, yeah. Wow. This and world needs more grace. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh-huh. And thank you so much for sharing that. There were so many tidbits. Every time you said certain phrases, I wanted to raise my hand and say, that's exactly how I feel. That's that's exactly what's resonating with me right now in this very moment. And I wanted to emphasize what you were talking about the spark because that has been um, something I've been trying to refine in the last couple of months, actually. And mm-hmm. what I found was that as I'm trying different things, I feel that I'm losing momentum. I'm working too hard on something that's not meant for me or that's uh-huh. not doesn't feel quite right, but mm-hmm. I want it to be right but it's not. And so digging into that and going deep into um, my fears and what what I don't want to share, what I don't like about myself. Why don't I like this about myself? And, mm-hmm. you know, asking different friends, asking my significant other and realizing that what I don't like about myself is sometimes a piece of what people do like about me. Um, for oh. example, I know, right? I don't, I don't know if anyone else has that type of feeling, but um, for example, um, I, I hate the fact that I'm so silly sometimes and that I laugh a little bit too much that I'm not, I'm not very serious. And that's exactly what Malika loves about me, that I can be a little silly and that I can bring out silliness in him. And when he, when he mentioned that, I'm like thinking, oh, okay, well then maybe there's something there that's making it so special and reaching out mm-hmm. to different people. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to encourage everyone that's listening, don't be afraid of those little tiny moments of yourself that you're afraid to share because that might be your spark and you just might be not realizing or not digging into that. And, um, and that's what leads you to all these amazing challenges that you've overcome and all these obstacles because it's it takes time and energy to keep that wheel going right like you build it you build the fire but you got to keep the fire lit and that takes energy and so I was wondering if you could also talk about some of the things that do keep you going how do you keep your momentum going and how you keep your momentum up and maybe some challenges that Um, you also had I meditate a lot and it is a it is a really blessing for me because it just happened that uh, I practice uh, something called uh, universal human body energy. So it's, it's a, a sort of meditation that you focus on the seven chakra, which is mm-hmm. the seventh center of your energy in the body. And it is a blessing because uh, actually I'm Buddhist. So I, I learned some meditation in the past, but uh, because my husband uh, has some health issue, and we, we heard that in order to, to self-heal, you need uh, that that's a meditation. So I just want to encourage him to sign up. So I sign up with him. And guess what? I benefit so much from that. <laughs> so from, since 2011 until now, I have been practicing meditation every day for 30 minutes to 45 minutes at the beginning of the day. Regardless of how busy I am, I always have that space where I actually sit down and, and a lot of good thoughts or good things, it popped up uh, during that time. It's just amazing. Like, and I guess for a person who's so busy like me, like uh, when I was working at MD Anderson Cancer Center, it's like 50 hour work a week. 
And then on top of that, I study for the PhD, which is uh, for seven years. And then I was appointed by President Obama to serve on a national foundation. I had to go to Vietnam. I had to go to DC every quarter. So it's another busy thing, right? And then I served on a, a few other nonprofits doing all the fundraising, event planning, and that youth leadership camp that I do every year. So all of that is so busy. So I only slept about like four, three, four hours a day. And I, I didn't do a, a good thing for myself, right? And I, I paid for that later on. I got sleep apnea and it took me a few years to fix that. And I realized we got to pay attention to our own body. It is the only body that you got. <laughs> and sometimes we focus so much on the work, on what you want to put it out in the world. So I can relate to Yvonne when you say, you know, like this is my intention. I want this, I want that. It, it's our intention all the time, but sometimes we just need to sit down, relax, and like you enjoy your being funny. And, and maybe that being funny um, is a really nice break for you. That you enjoy it, you didn't even know. It's true. <laughs> right? uh -huh. so, so each of us has that kind of uh, distinguished things that, and asking friend would be perfect because sometimes we don't know. We yeah. always judging ourselves, right? We always judging, I wanna be this, I wanna be that, you know? But actually, um, living in grace is like, how can you remove that self-judging? How can you remove that self-inner dialogue so that you really just love yourself the way you are? And when you love yourself the way you are, you can become like madly in love with yourself. And that is when magic happened. Because imagine when you love yourself like madly in love with yourself, what would you do? We'll bring that love to everybody else. Like, just like when you have a cup that you have, it's full, then you can, you know, you can overflow your love to everybody else. But if you love everybody else, but your cup is empty, <laughs> guess what? Then your love will be demanding. Like you always need something from the other person because your cup is not full. Yeah. You see? Definitely. When, yeah. So when your cup is full, so you have to really fill your cup first. And for most Asian women, we don't do it. No, my cup <laughs> we, is very empty right now. So exactly, I literally was freaking out on the kids earlier today. Yeah, and then I was freaked out on Sable today because my okay. cup is very empty. Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. but I mean, Yvonne, the world is serious enough. We need, we all need a little silliness. This is why exactly. I like you too, because you bring out the silliness in me too. And we all need to laugh sometimes. And, and laughing brings so much energy into yeah. your body, don't you know? Like laughing, it brings serotonin, dopamine, yeah. and uh, what is that? The three, the three chemicals that really boost your immune system. So you know what? Every morning I have a ritual that I, I stand in front of the class. I jump up and down and I laugh on myself. I laugh out loud <laughs> <laughs> for a minute or two, you know, and it feels so good. You know, it felt so good. And, and as an as a emotional intelligent practitioner, my fellow practitioner does the same thing. She even laughed for 45 minutes. I cannot do that. <laughs> I only can laugh for about three minutes, <laughs> you know? And of course I had to do it within in the restroom because my, my husband looked at, are you crazy? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but hey, if you feel so good about yourself, you laugh and you feel good, why not? It's free, right? And, 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 and so 
I, I put it into a ritual. So that's what I, and I jump up and down because I learned uh, from kinesiology that when you jumping, all the cell in your, like against the gravity is a very good for each of the cell in your body. Oh. My knees doesn't allow me to do a lot. So I just jump about a hundred uh, times. Uh, that's jumping. a lot. Huh? That's yeah, a but, lot. <laughs> but, but again, like if you jump quickly, it's, it's not that a lot. Like it, it really depends, but jumping is easy. Like if you jump with the rope, yeah, it's up to you, right? But jumping or you, you're jumping on the trampoline so that it, it releases uh, the, the problem with the knees, but yeah. jumping and laughing. And give your high, yourself a high five. You know, just give a high five in the mirror. I'm starting the day with all that ritual. And it helped me to be so good. I feel so good about myself. You look and great. I, yeah, you look yeah. great. I can see it. I can feel it. I'm reaching and 60. I'm reaching 60 next year. Amazing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe okay. member. I think you have more energy than, than both of us. <laughs> but I'm gonna try that tomorrow morning. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna it's laugh in the mirror and jump and jump around and see what's able. To- <laughs> and you can you can start with jumping just like ten times, right? But when you jump, uh, you find a way to jump to you know not hurting your knees. So uh, so lots of uh, different athletes they did it with the trampoline. Mm-hmm. I actually had the trampoline in my house too, but I just jump and I learned that from one of the workshop of the health coach. And I said, okay, I, I'm going to try. But when I try it, I feel so good. So you start the day with meditation, with that jumping and laughing. Mm-hmm. And and I, I guess Yvonne would be so easy for laughing because you just naturally, right? No, yeah, no, is that sometimes I'll just randomly laugh. Like it's a oh, very, so it's a very bizarre thing that sometimes I, I get in my head. It's I, I daydream uh, a lot. I'm sharing a lot of vulnerability right now. But yes, I daydream a lot. I sometimes just randomly laugh and I'll sing and dance. But you know so. what? Those are the gifts. Because it, it's, it's a gift that you, you know, I have to write, try hard to laugh. <laughs> I'm not like easy to laugh. So because I know the benefit of laughing. So that's why I, I have to intentionally. And sometimes I have to listen to something's really funny to make me laugh <laughs> because I cannot just laugh. Right. But if you have that tendency and natural talent to laugh anytime, man, that is a gift already. I mean, I can see my mother-in-law, when I first met her, she was very much that person. She, every time I saw her, she's smiling, laughing to herself. I'll drive by and she's hula hooping in the front yard. (laughs) We'll be walking and she starts dancing and singing while we're walking. She would just always like, she didn't seem like there's a care in the world for her. And now she's, she's completely opposite. Now she's going through depression. So she doesn't laugh Mm -hmm. anymore. She doesn't, she barely even goes outside anymore. She barely even like really talk to her grandchildren anymore you know, mm-hmm. and you can really see that night and day difference. You know, the other day I was talking to Sable and we we're talking about his mom. Mm-hmm. I was just like saying, your mom is so different. And he's like, yeah, it's a completely different person. But there and might be see, something, right? Might, might yeah, be something that triggers her. She, mm-hmm. her hus- I mean, her husband um, had cancer and then he passed away. So all that triggered her depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what I'm, my point is you can really see the difference, right? In someone yeah. who was laughing yeah. all the time, who was seeing, who has, doesn't seem to, really care about what's going on to now now she's self-conscious about everything you know mm-hmm. they're they just went back to taiwan my sister-in-law was saying that she wants to take her to the hot springs she knows that my mother-in-law enjoys the hot springs there but mm-hmm. she's stopped eating as well because she's going through depression so she's gotten really skinny so now she doesn't want to go to hot springs because she's very conscious how skinny she is mm-hmm. and just like this 
downward spiral of everything, right? One thing affects right. the next thing. Right. So absolutely, like our number one thing now is how do we make her laugh? How do we make her remember how she used to be? Right? She almost was like a child before. Just like how my kids are. Children, you look at them, they'll be sad one minute. Next minute, they're laughing like nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. You know. And how do we get back to that mentality of exactly. being children? Yeah, yeah. That's that is something that uh, I found. You know, like regardless of the age, you can always find back your spark. I would call it a spark, right? Yes. When you you find your spark. Now, with the case of your mother-in-law, because it involved the loss, and when you cope with the loss, nobody can imagine the pain that you're going through, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why, again, that's why I wrote the book, uh, Living in Grace, because my father is just like that. My mother passed away in March. And my father used to laugh all the time. He's just upbeat and he's very healthy, 88 years old, but he's healthy and, and he's still driving around. But when my mom passed, it's just like he lost the love of life. Yeah. And he doesn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave anymore. Yeah. And, and, and he already told us, okay, six weeks later, I'm going to follow your mom. He even told us, you know, at the, my mom funeral. Yeah. And, and, and that it, it manifested itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So it really affect, you know, the pain when you go through, if somehow we don't know how to cope with it, it can kill us. Yeah. It can kill us. That's, I think that's why it's so important. When you talk to your students, um, what are some of the most common issues that you see among your students? I have two different set of students, the student in Vietnam, Mm-hmm. Who live in a very tough condition mm-hmm. and they tend to see things in a very pessimistic way mm-hmm. and what they told me is that by practice gratitude and actually engagement believe that being a human being is just a wonderful thing a magnificent thing and just the fact that you are able to see things you are able to run around you are able to eat and, and enjoy the food, all of us, you are able to breathe the air, all of those simple blessings are just gifts. Yeah. And because practicing grace is focused on gratitude, the attitude of gratitude, it changed totally the mindset helped them to change the way they look at the world. You see the lens that they're using mm-hmm. before, if you don't do anything, you tend to look at only the bad things, only the, right. the things that cause you pain. Yep. And because you only have 40, 50 bits, if you already focus on that, you left out all the wonderful things, right? And now you train your brain to look into the, the blessing in your life. And that is the gratitude. It brings so much joy into your heart. Yep. And that is the antidote for depression. Yep. So you focus, practice gratitude, and then respect. Respect starts with self-respect, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. If you don't respect yourself, how can you expect other people to respect you? Yeah. But self-respect is star also with self-love. Mm-hmm. You have to love yourself enough to give you the opportunity to bounce back again when failure happens. And failure will happen. Everybody will incur failure in our life. But it's not the end of the world. So practice accountability is take ownership of your own emotions mm-hmm. by focusing on the blessings so that you feel good. Like what I did regularly like jumping and laughing is just one of the very little activity that I do daily and I practice gratitude journaling right and I have a rock actually I have it with me you see this is um, yes 
Yeah, it's a rock, right? A rock is called grace rock. And I had it next to my bed. Every day I hold rock uh, before I go to sleep. And I just remember what is the best, try to go through my day and pick the best thing that happened in my day and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you really feel the, the gratitude inside your heart when you hold the rock. That is, that is very simple to do. But after you do it for a while, this rock becomes your anchor. So whenever you have some problems or something, you hold a rock and you, you remember all the moments that you say thank you and you receive the blessing, it creates magic. And, and, and that is what I teach the students. So most of the students, they lost the connection with themselves. So they tend to so bought down with something. Each of them has a different obsession, right? Mm-hmm. Some uh, went through the trauma, really bad trauma. They was not able to resolve. They was not able to see that tra- trauma actually helped them to become the person they are today. They live in the past. So if you focus, you don't have anything in the future to go, then you stick with your past, then your life's doomed, right? So so that's the issue is either you focus on some trauma in the past or some pain that you have not yet rid of, or um, you focus so much on the uncertainties. You're full of fear. Yeah. And, and fear sometimes, if you use fears as a way to activate or to, to motivate you to do things, some fear is okay, right? But too much on the fear, you would not be able to do anything. It will paralyze you. So know your fear is the key. Yeah. And, and, and know why you fear it, right? And know how it could limit you from achieving the life that you want to live. And when you see all of that, you make a decision, okay, I'm going to take my life back. I'm not, you know, I'm not living this way anymore. And again, you have that power. And then finally, engagement would be living wholeheartedly. Like each of us has gift and talent. How can you live every day fully, wholeheartedly? So that it is that like the your mother-in-law in the past, she just laughed. That's because she has that gift, right? She just she just enjoy it regardless. She doesn't care what everybody else saying. Yeah. That is living to the fullest. And when you practice all of that, um, it changed their life. And so I have a student, she came to me at the end of the class and she said, Thank you so much. You helped me to be alive again. I died when I was 25. Mm-hmm. This year I became 29. And this is only after taking the class, I, I, I'm alive again, <laughs> you know? So that, that is so powerful. And, and, and my intention is just, I just give out love. I just give out what I learned from myself so that I can anchor on my best. And, and I let things happen. And right now, the class that I'm having, people are a little bit more mature than the people are a little bit older. And it's just so beautiful because they have some... Uh, trauma in the past they, yeah. they, and now they can see it in a different lens yeah yeah so it's, it's very powerful even it's very simple yeah yeah I mean it's very simple but it's, it takes a lot right you have to keep putting the practice and yes. this is actually yeah. exactly what you hear right now because I think last year Yvonne and I both have done a lot of this work I did a lot of work myself last year mm-hmm. when I started my new job and became really busy and with the kids 
I've noticed now, as soon as things get really busy, I don't have the time. The first thing I let go are things that are service to myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I was meditating every single day. I was working out every single day. I was doing all of these things. I was doing self-care at night. And once work got busy, it was meditation went, you know, working out went, self-care in the evening went, self-care in the morning went, like all of that. I'm not doing any of that anymore. You know, right now I'm just doing a bare minimum. And when I say my cup is empty, I told Sable yesterday, I think, or earlier this week, I told him, I feel like there's something wrong with me because I feel like I have zero energy, zero motivation. Uh I don't want to do anything. I can feel the sort of depression coming up, right? I'm like covering at that surface because, and I'm realizing now after talking to you is, yeah, because I literally let everything that was in service to myself go. And yeah. it's, it's kind of funny because Sable's also coaching. He's been telling me this. <laughs> of course, I don't listen to my husband's. It's like, it's like mom, 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 mom. So, so I'm sure when I go tell him now, he's going to be like, I've been telling you this all week, right? But it's true. You know, I need to put myself back into focus and I'm just not doing that. And, and as being a woman, being a mother, it yeah. is really hard to do. And I think every woman can easy. say that. It's, it's very yeah. easy to break our cup empty. Yeah. Because we can always empty our cup, right? We I'm don't used to, this is what I'm used to, right? This is like a familiar experience. Like I know what this feels like. I yeah. only know this is not how I'm supposed to feel like because of last year, right? Because last year uh-huh. I felt so good. Uh-huh. And another reason actually I told Sable that I stopped meditating, meditating is because last year, my entire life, I wasn't sure exactly who I wanted to be or who I am. After putting a time in last year, I now I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what I want to do in my future, what my passions are, but I'm not quite ready financially to take that leap yet, right? So I have to right now do the job I'm doing, even though it does not align with me. Like it's not what I want to do. It's not morally what I feel good about doing. You know, it's just very, very opposite from what I want to be devoting my time. So I told Sabre, one of the things with me meditating is when I start meditating, I start realizing just how much I do not want to do this job. And it makes uh-huh. then it makes my day job so much harder because I don't want to sit there for eight hours a day to be at Zoom meetings and talk about things that I just don't care that much about anymore. Mm-hmm. And on, on top of that, I feel like might be harming things that I actually care about, uh-huh. right? So, so, so this is where my conflict comes in, where I'm almost afraid to meditate because ignorance is bliss. When I didn't know what my true passions are, what I really want my life doing. I was perfectly fine working my ass off every single day, you know, not getting <laughs> enough sleep because that was what life was supposed to be, right? In my entire life, I thought this is how you're supposed to live your life. But now that I know that mm-hmm. it makes it so much harder for me to go back to that life- lifestyle. I know it's a blessing, right? I need to learn this because w- the way I was living the way I am currently living right now, it's not how humans, I think, are meant to live. We're mm-hmm. meant to be social. We're meant to be out there being creative and learning mm-hmm. new things and not be stuck in front of a computer every single day, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm afraid to go back to meditating because I'm afraid of, you know, putting myself in this situation again where, where no, I don't want to do this, but I had to force myself to do this. So like, what would your opinion be or how would you coach me so, in that way? Yeah, so I would, I would ask yourself, uh, if you know what you want to do, right? And you know that uh, there are some basic needs that you still have to satisfy, which is financial need. I totally get it. Yeah. So instead, I, I'm surprised when I hear that when you practice meditation, it causes you frustration. 
because that is maybe something around that uh, need to be unplugged or un untightened because mm -hmm. you can see the life, your best life look yeah. like, right? This is yeah. my best life. It doesn't mean that I will have to live my best life right now. Yeah. In order to get there, you need a roadmap. And of course, yeah. utilize your husband coaching service. <laughs> he can coach you, right? He wishes. He always offers. I always say, you, if he coaches me, we're going to start arguing all the if time. If he doesn't work for the family members. <laughs> but the thing is, you need a coach to really help you to anchor on, okay, here is my vision. Yeah. And in order for me to arrive there, you give yourself a couple of years or whatever and yeah. be absolutely clear of what you envision yourself to do, you know, in that best life that you have. And when you have your imagination run wild and neutral and, and check in with yourself, how do you feel when you imagine yourself doing that for? Then you start working all the things around you. You need to focus on how to make it happen and by what kind of skill set you need or what kind of capability or even just look at the same thing, but you look in a different lens, the lens that will help you to arrive there. Yeah. So when you think about your current job, it's just like a, some temporary thing, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. uh, you give yourself some kind of time-bound goals yeah. like within two, three years, you will feel in love, fell in love with it because it is a tool, it's a stepping stone that enable you to achieve your dream. It's no longer, oh, I'm living two lives right now. You see, yeah. the story yes. that you yeah. tell yourself is so important. And if you, you're telling uh, this empowering story, guess what? You got frustrated. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. But you have to, to change your story. Change your story, you change your life. Yes. Yeah, I think my biggest problem is, is just, you, you said exactly, I was living two lives, right? I, I was like, this is where I want to be, but I'm here. Yeah, and, but I want to be right here right now. So ah, I'm getting frustrated. Okay. Right? So I want to be here right now. So yeah. that the timing is off. Yeah. So so maybe working on that, and again discuss with with uh, your loved ones because they might know something that you don't. We might miss something. Yeah. Remember, we only have 40, 50 bits. I don't yes. even really miss. <laughs> so chances are you might miss something. I'm focusing on the wrong bits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you focus on I want it right now. I don't have it, so I'm in pain, right? But yeah. if you if you change that uh, in a different story, then you you might feel totally okay. Our mind is amazing, isn't it? Isn't I it? know oh, our yeah. mind is. <laughs> it's sometimes the best and sometimes the worst thing <laughs> is <Yeah>. our mind. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. But I also just want to say that the way that you've been phrasing the help that you've been giving us, like me and Yan, right now. I mean, we take a lot of coaches. We have a lot of classes. We pay a lot of money <laughs> just to get better. But I'm serious. In the last like 10 minutes, just everything that you said has resonated in a way mm -hmm. that does hit a little bit differently. And I hope Beautiful. that everyone hears that can see that. I mean, I want to sign up. I'm going to sign up. Living. Yeah, the next grace. class is in July. Okay, so I will send you the link. It's a living your best life with grace. It's very yes. simple. And that now has... once I'm done, I'll pass this over to you, Yvonne, too. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you to write this book? Uh, it's another uh, interesting story. I thought it would take me years. It took me three months. What? Only three months. Yeah, she wrote yeah. a book in three months. 
yeah. a best-selling book, guys. what I did, okay? <laughs> After all the things that I did, it's crazy. Because she truly knows this stuff, That's right? Exactly you have right. to truly know this stuff to be able to write it in three months. So, so basically, I already had it in my heart. Exactly. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, like I got up like 4 a.m. in the morning. I just couldn't, and I time and I cry and I time. <laughs> you know, that kind of, it's just crazy. But, but again, I think it's inside of me. It's just like giving birth or something. It, it, it cannot wait to be giving birth. And I just keep postponed, postponed until the pandemic. Of course, I'm stuck. <laughs> the year before I traveled like 55,000 miles throughout the year, I had like 19 speaking engagements because I, I, I just became a professional speaker. This is amazing. You know, like before I was, I was frightened when I show up on the stage. Although I'm a public speaker, like I have done a lot of speaking engagement, but the thought of being a professional speaker is scare me. And again, it's our own limiting belief, right? So I went through that and the universe respond to my need, like, mm. like my, my vision. And, and before I know it, I got booked left and right. And I fly over the, the United States and Canada deliver speeches. And I felt, oh my gosh, I'm living the time of my life, right? And then, and then, uh, 2020, right? Yeah. Everything changed. But then it, it, it just, I asked myself, okay, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Again, grace helped me tremendously. You need to practice grace. And and my vision is I'm seeing a community of a thousand grace coaches from around the world that see how all the younger generation would be benefit, right? I want to create some opportunities so those kids that don't have access they can have access to these coaches. And of course, it, it, it needs money and stuff. But again, um, there's so much in that. You can see if you can enlighten some of the lives of these kids, including your children, right? But if we start with us, if we're not enlightening our life, then we cannot be the life for anybody else, right? Right, absolutely. So it's called self-empowerment. Yep, and the next class is in July, you said, right? July, yeah. It would, will, I will let you know... Uh, you know, Sibo is in the class, but he never, he never locked in. <laughs> I gave him because I want to give him a taste of what grace look like. Yeah. But later on, I want to write a book like grace for entrepreneurs. Because nice. Entrepreneurs is a little bit different. Yeah. I know that he's, he's working on two new programs right now too. So he's like super busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. what else can we look forward to from you? Oh, um, you can go to the uh, Living Your Best Life with Grace and I have free webinar. I have, yep. I also have a, a workshop that uh, you have children, right, Yen? Yes, so yeah. uh, it's like teaching grace for your kids. So I'm yes, I need that. Yeah, I have three students who are um, Montessori uh, principal. So mm-hmm. they are actually working on designing a program for, for little kids, for kindergarten. Wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. My kids... Mike has definitely that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I'm also uh, planning to work with uh, a couple of private school here in Houston to mm-hmm. design a program for kids like elementary school and middle school. And then oh. I have a program for university students. And wow. yesterday I just uh, had a book talk with the faculty. The faculty need it too. <laughs> yes. Professor, Texas Woman University, you know, and these mm-hmm. are women. So it's just so interesting. And I had, and they said, we need to bring you to the campus. And I, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then are you working on more books too? Yeah, I have six more books. So I'm, I'm six writing. Six more books. Yeah, because like race for different people, right? Uh, I partner with another um, a, a EI coach. 
writing like a graceful parenting is coming mm-hmm. out with a program as well, right? And then uh, I'm also could do graceful woman, as you said, like women always have another ceiling, right? So yeah. so we need to tune in for that and graceful teacher. I I need to help the teachers first so that yes. they can help the kid, right? <clears throat> That's like your cup need to be filled. If your cup is empty, you cannot, you know, you cannot take care, good care of the kid. So same yeah. as the teacher. So grace for teacher, grace for parents are coming. Hopefully by the end of this year, I have both. And then the workbook so that you can like with that book, I will have a, a workbook that you can go and practice, you know, and that's what I do with the class. But I will, I will just write the book and give it out to the world. So okay, well. I just have one last question for you. What do you do for fun? <laughs> oh, uh, singing, playing. Uh, I play a lot of musical instrument. I play guitar. I play mandolin. Wow. Uh, and I, I love music. Music is a big part of my life. I play piano too. You know, it's it just so funny because I, I'm obsessed with piano. But I never had it. You know, it's, it's like a high class uh, kind of musical instrument for rich people. You know what? I just learned my connecting with friends who had piano yeah i love it so much and the first job that i get at ibm canada instead of buying a car i bought a piano <laughs> incredible it's a dream of my life i never had that so i bought the piano and i took lessons when i was already an adult but i love it mm-hmm. and uh and and now it's so so busy i had a piano at home but i seldomly play but just music it just brings so much inside of you Yes. Have yeah. that piece on the creative side I paint too I love painting yeah so uh, doing like portraying or you know but right now because of all the work I want to do it's just so busy but I'm thinking about how you can bring creative arts to yes. teach emotion for the kids so yes. you can buy yes. artistic storytellings and kids can be so creative, right? They are, so, yeah. So how can you activate that and, and combine with the grace thing so that they can be the best version of themselves? Because mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can do. I strongly believe every kid deserves to live their best life. Absolutely. And regardless of how uh, miserable they are. So I work with one of the private schools that working with kids that have special needs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the teachers are just wonderful. So I want to help the teachers first. And then the teacher will, will work with the children and, and, and imagine how can you roll it out to the public. That's why I create a YouTube channel. But I only have 24 hours a day. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really in a, a process of recruiting. So if you like, you can try my race class first. And you like it, I'm, I'm designing a race coach class. So you become a race coach. And when you do become a grace coach, then you can share the mission that I have because I cannot do it alone. I need right, a yeah. whole bunch of a team that really passionate. The key thing is the passion. Yes. The passion working with, with others and how you bring up the potential in each of the person you are in contact with. It's a, a lot of inner work, right? And you yes. have to become a light first before you can bring light to others. Yes. So for our audience that want to connect with you, how can they connect with you online? Um, you can go to my uh, Facebook, Enlan the Coach. Okay. okay. I have that. I have a group called Living Your Best Life. And I go live there uh, frequently. They can also try the website, Living Your Best Life with Grace. 
livingyourbestlifewithgrace.com. And in there, I also include um, some of the workshop you might like is how to play with your children. Mm, okay. How to raise emotional intelligent child, right? And it's all free. Like we developed this series of online workshop when the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. I could imagine, I work with two school for autistic children, so I know how tough it is. Mm -hmm. So I imagine all of these parents so stressed out. <laughs> and so we just put this out, uh, you know, for free. So it's a That's whole amazing. series of call, uh, social, uh, what's that? Let's connect through social distancing. So it has about 10, uh, 12 different workshops, how to cope with anxiety, how to cope with loss. And I, I had uh, the blessing of connecting with a lot of uh, professional speakers. And at the time they didn't have anything, all of their speaking engagement was canceled. <laughs> so I recruited them and they had been so nice uh, agreeing to do it for free. So we just put it out as a service. So utilize it, it's all in a free webinar or free workshop on that website. Okay, I definitely, I'll definitely check it out. And I'm just amazed at everything that you do and everything that you're still doing. Um, I'm, I mean, I feel like I don't have the right to say I'm busy anymore. <laughs> because it's absolutely unbelievable. And I am just so overwhelmed at how big your heart is and everything that you're doing for women out there and for children out there and for everybody who's in need. So I encourage everyone to check out your websites and watch your webinars and get your book. This book, again, I'm still in the beginning of it, but just the way you write is very storytelling. So you right away, you, you, you have that emotional connection and you can also right away, like find bits and pieces where it's relatable to you, right? Mm -hmm. and, and really kind of understand how you, then you can apply this concept to your own life. The last four chapters is all about strategies. I didn't go deeper. If you want to go deeper, take my class. Yep. At least give you an overview of what grace is about. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to go deeper, you can take uh, some, like watch some of the free stuff that I put on the online yep. and then sign up for the class. It's very affordable. Like I, my goal is serving. So mm -hmm. please spread the message around because the more people that I can serve, that, that's what brings happiness to me. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for, yeah. for joining us. Oh, I was about to say thank you for having us because it felt like you were hosting and yeah, no. we were in the room. But thank you. Thank Here you for giving this all and happy AAPI month. Yes. And this is just yes. the beginning of our friendship, right? If yes. you like, we can have a monthly discussion or a bi-monthly discussion. About I will love that. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh, we will love that. Let's do that. So yeah. we can be, continue to be connected. Yes, I will love that. Yeah, I would love so to discuss this, this more too once I get through the book. Yeah. And, and, and go deeper, like each, like maybe gratitude is one. Yes. And, and some of like accountability or, you know, like it's a whole bunch of things different. Yes, things. I would love that. Uh huh. And helping other women. Hey. Yes. We're all women. <laughs> yeah. thank but you. thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the talk. Thank you, Dr. Wen. Okay. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. 
Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.